Welcome to We Built This Life. I'm your host, Jennifer Walker, and this is the podcast that tells stories about entrepreneurs and small business owners and how they built their working lives from the ground up. This is episode 35 with Carrie Miller, the founder of Tiny Dog Press, a letterpress and silkscreen design company located in Baltimore. Thank you so much for listening today. Hello, welcome again to We Built This Life. Thank you for joining us today. I'm so happy that you're here and I'm thrilled to have Carrie Miller as the guest for today's show to talk about her small business, Tiny Dog Press. If you live in Baltimore, I am sure you have seen Carrie's cards around town. Tiny Dog Press seems to mainly carry greeting cards, which Carrie also thinks of as pieces of art. You know, she has a fine arts degree. She has a background in art. So in addition to being a card, you're also purchasing a a small piece of art from Carrie. She creates her cards using a letterpress machine, and she will explain more about that process, how she actually uses the letterpress. The cards are really nice, and if someone ever sent me a Tiny Dog Press card, I would frame it for sure. So cities and spaces are Carrie's biggest theme for her cards. Because Tiny Dog Press is based in Baltimore, she does have a large selection of Baltimore-themed cards. She draws images of these iconic spaces in Baltimore and within other places, then turns them into these letterpress printed cards. She also makes posters and coasters. I noticed some notebooks in the Baltimore line as well. So she'll start with that iconic image, whether it's the greatest city in America bench or the Domino Sugar Sign or the Patterson Park Pagoda. These are all, you know, very well-known places, very well-known attractions in Baltimore. And then she will add pattern and color around that image. So on that greatest city in America bench card, which this was a thing in Baltimore, like the greatest city in America was the city slogan at one point. On that card, she has that image of the bench and behind it, either a kind of turquoise aqua blue or a bright yellow circular pattern, depending on which card you choose. So usually the cards have either one or two colors in them. And the colors are really bright and fun. Obviously, to get a better idea of, of what they look like, you can hop on her website. I will link to it in the show notes. In addition to her Baltimore line, Carrie has cards, coasters, and prints for several other places, including Austin in Texas, Brooklyn in New York. I mentioned the state because we have a Brooklyn in Baltimore as well. Ellicott City in Maryland, Philly, Waco in Texas, and D.C., as well as a selection of Beachtown-themed cards and more. And then she has a line of floral cards. So that's just a little bit about the products that she's offering. Well, in this episode, Carrie is going to talk about her background, how she comes from a family of entrepreneurs, what drew her into letterpress, and, and as I mentioned, how the medium works, how she actually makes her cards and the process. She'll talk about the design that inspired the kind of city places theme for her cards and how she got her business off the ground and how she has built her business while staying almost entirely debt-free throughout her entire entrepreneur journey. As with every episode, Carrie will also talk about challenges she has faced, how she defines success, her advice for other entrepreneurs, and what she wishes consumers knew about supporting small businesses, which is a new question I'm asking, and I have found the answers to be really interesting so far. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it on social media. I'm at We Built This Life on Instagram and We Built This Life on Facebook. This will help others find the show and I would really be really, really grateful and appreciative if you choose to share. 
Okay, let's get into episode 35 and Carrie Miller's small business story. Carrie Miller graduated from Baylor University with a fine arts degree in printmaking. So printmaking has been her chosen artistic medium for some time, but it was while working at a stationery store after graduation that Carrie was introduced to letterpress. And eventually, of course, this interest led to her starting her own small business, Tiny Dog Press. After graduating from Baylor University, I worked for Starbucks because that's what most artists do. They go and they work for a coffee shop so that they can have their health insurance. And (laughs) I helped manage a small stationery store called Simply Noted that used to be on Belvedere Square. And it was at Simply Noted that I was introduced to the commercial side of printmaking and especially letterpress. So that drew in the desire to see printmaking into a form that people could actually afford instead of just fine art printmaking that's a little bit more expensive for the everyday person. What was it about printmaking and letterpress that drew you in? I love my hands getting dirty. In printmaking, you mix your own colors and creating colors through ink and then pushing the ink into some kind of matrix form and then seeing it on paper and noticing like There's always the happy little accidents that happen whenever you're doing things that you personally weren't trying to make, but it makes the piece work. Letterpress is a little bit more controlled or can be controlled. At least the form that I produce for commercial purposes needs to be more controlled. But like fine art printmaking is just, it's it's fun. It's physical. You get physically exhausted and you get dirty, which are two great things for me. Could you tell us a little bit about the process of making cards through letterpress? You mentioned mixing the colors, but for those of us who can't like envision like what goes into it, how how would you make a set of cards and how many can you make at a time? So I start with a hand-drawn illustration that I then scan into my computer and I vectorize it and I send it off to this company that sends me a printing plate. And with letterpress, the plate pushes the ink into the paper. So the image is debossed is what some people will say, but it's physically just pushed below the surface of the paper. I use a cotton paper so that it's a soft paper so I can get a deeper impression of that image in there. The day that I'm printing, I attach the plate to a base that will allow it to be what's called type high, which is 0.918, which is the height that it needs to be for it to push into the paper. I hand mix my ink. I put the ink on the inking disc and I allow the rollers to get the ink all nice and smooth. And then I put this base into this press. And it's hard to describe what a press is, but think of cast metal one ton machine that has arms and rollers and a big wheel and you stand behind it. My press was built in 1949 and they stopped making this version, I believe in 51. So it's actually one of the younger of my type that I have. It's called the Chandler and Price, which is a CMP 10 by 15, which is the biggest size that I can print on this press. And then I stand behind it and I put one piece of paper at a time through the press while it rolls and inks and I feed the paper, pull the paper out. So you do one color at a time, one piece of paper at a time. So I have to do the first color 
then I clean the press and put the second color and I do it again. All those papers again to put my second color on because all majority of my cards are two to three colors of printing. Wow. So it's a process. It's a process for each card. A lot goes into it. Yes. And once the press is going, I put a piece of paper every 15 seconds. So it goes fast once it's set up, but it takes about 30 minutes to set up the press and about 20 minutes to clean it up. Okay. Got it. Okay. That helps a lot just to get a visual. Okay. So you talked a little bit about how you got interested in printmaking and in letterpress. About what year was this and how did you decide to turn this interest into a business? Why was entrepreneurship a good fit for you? Well, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. Everyone in my family owns their own business. And when I was graduating from college, my dad was like, great, you got an art degree. So what are you going to do with that? And I was going to be an artist because that's what you do. And I tried the starving artist route for a little while for about three months, and I did not like it. So the entrepreneurship is just in my blood. I officially started the business in March of 2013. I had another business. I was sewing because I did not have access to a print studio. And we moved back to Baltimore my husband and I, and I found Baltimore Print Studios. So I started doing some custom orders in about 2012, renting time at Baltimore Print Studios. And a friend of mine asked me to print his wedding invitations. And he had his fiance, now wife, did an illustration of the Baltimore bench, the greatest city in America bench, and had it on their RSVP card. And when I saw it, I was like, this would make an amazing card. And so I asked them if I can make this into a card and sell it. And they said, yes. And so I purchased the rights. I paid them for the illustration for reproduction rights. And that started the business. From that one bench illustration that she did, I then started thinking of all the other places. And I drew Domino Sugar and the Natty Bow Towers and Patterson Park Pagoda. And it just kind of launched me into my theme. Otherwise, I really didn't know what to do. Like I wanted to make cards, but I'm not a word person. I've never really been a word person. So I couldn't think of like cute little happy birthday and thank you messages. And so this was like perfect because I saw each card is its own little piece of artwork. It was a miniature piece of artwork, which connected me back to the fine art printing that was in my blood already. I love that. So it sounds like the theme for your cards developed very organically. You saw something that inspired you and then ran with it. Yes, I ran with it. Yes. And I was very lucky that they were cool with that. Like it was perfect timing. Yeah. Okay, great. So what So what were things like in the beginning? It's 2013. You're going to start this business. You're going to make cards. How did you market yourself? How did you get your product out there? How did you get going? I started by doing the pop-ups. Charles Village Festival was one of my first ones. I also did the Waverly Farmer's Market for a little while and just set things up on a Saturday morning to see how people would like it. I remember selling every single card to every customer for the first couple of years. And after I had about 10 designs, I went door to door to different retail stores that I was interested in selling my stuff. And Sucasa in Fells Point was the first retail store that said yes. And they sold some of my cards at wholesale. And then I gradually just hit up other stores and it just happened organically. Yeah. I love that. I love Sukasa. That's a great store. 
And I'm realizing from having these conversations how important markets are to small business owners. I just interviewed somebody else before you, and it was the same thing. She got her product in front of people by going to markets. So they, they really do seem to help people get in front of customers. Yeah. And I think it also helps you see, is your product sell worthy? Like if people are going to purchase it and have to carry it around for the rest of the events, it actually sticks with them instead of them just passing by and not buying anything. Yeah. Almost like a focus group without really being a focus group, a different way to do it. Can you talk a little bit about what your business looks like today versus when you started? I assume the difference would be that you're in, you're working with more wholesale partners, you're producing more, but are there big differences in your business or changes that you've had to make? Yes. So when I started the business, it was just me and my husband and we had our dogs and now we have a four-year-old. So adding children to your life. And she was actually our second child. We had a kinship placement for a year, about year two of my business. So I've had to evolve by allowing some things to be handed off to somebody else. So I do have a couple part-time employees that come in and assist. I also teach now at Stevenson University. And so I have some students that will come in and assist with printing. I had an intern last semester and she worked with some design work and also assisting with production. So it used to be like I did everything and now I don't do everything. My favorite thing is to print and be behind the press. And so I try to do that more, but it find that you're doing everything else. Like I will probably be behind the press every two weeks, every two to three weeks at best. Instead, I'm doing the accounting and all the other wonderful things. I do now have majority wholesale accounts, which I appreciate. And I like packing up a large order and dropping it off because it is supporting two companies instead of just me. And it's interesting because when you have those wholesale accounts, like I don't know who buys my stuff anymore. And I used to know everybody. And I remember the first time that I went to like a happy hour event and someone had asked me what I did. And I was like, oh, I'm an artist. That's just the easiest answer. And they're like, oh, no, but what do you do? And I'm like, I'm a letterpress printer. And they're like, oh, really? So what's your company's name? And I told them and they're like, oh, we have your stuff. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, that stuck to me. And like now, like if I tell people Tiny Dog Press, like they know who I am, which is really weird being an artist that works in your own studio, you don't see these people. Like I know just my buyers, the wholesale buyers. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, that's very cool. Okay. So it seems like, yeah, you've experienced a lot of growth, which would make sense in 10 years. Have your themes for your cards stayed? I mean, I know you still do the Baltimore themed cards. Have you expanded beyond that at all into other things? I have expanded to Philly, DC, Austin, Waco, Texas. I'm originally from Texas. I think I have a couple of New York and a couple of beach towns around here. But Baltimore is what sells the best. Like I've tried to go to Philly markets and I just don't sell that well in Philly. And I sell okay in DC, but I have not added any birthday cards or anything like that. Thank you cards. I still don't do those type of cards. Like I see my work more as a little miniature pieces of art. I do have a floral design set that's more of like your non-traditional flowers thistles and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, I was talking to somebody this morning and they were saying that they wish they knew that other people knew how much work goes in to producing handmade products and that maybe they would understand the pricing a little bit more. 
have you ever found that there's been pushback to the price or do you find that people understand, hey, this is a handmade product and people are spending a lot of time and putting themselves into it? Or do you have to kind of educate people about that? I think you do have to educate people on that. When people stop by at my tent and they are looking at the card and they ask how much it is. And I tell them right now, my cards are $6. I started, they were $5. They're $6 a piece. And I'll tell them, I'm like, feel it feel the card? Do you feel the indention? Look on the back. And sometimes I'll even pull out my Instagram and show them the press. I have a small video and that piques interest and it's $6 seems like nothing. And it sometimes can become frustrating as a small business owner because if you go to Target, the cards there are now about $10 a piece and they're not handmade. They're digitally printed from a printer pushing a button. And depending on my mood, I'll remind people. (laughs) (laughs) how much they will be purchasing a card of less quality at Target or at CVS than they will be buying for my $6 card. Can you talk about some challenges you've faced as a small business owner and how you've addressed them? My most recent challenge, I think, is figuring out how to live life with business not being all-consuming. I feel like the last year, I'm starting to figure out that balance of family and business and all of that. But there's still challenges, especially holiday season. My friends will not hear from me from November through December, and it just is what it is. My husband and child see very little of me during that time. So I think that's, for me, the biggest challenge. That aspect of running a business has not been that much of a challenge. And I think because I was raised in a family of entrepreneurs, like I saw it, but I saw it where it did take over their lives. I remember going to Disney World with my dad and I called him on my cell phone because he was on his phone the entire time talking business. And I was like, hey, we're at Disney World. Can you be part of Disney World? And this is when I was in college, you know, so that's why I had a cell phone. And so like knowing that and seeing that, I was like, I don't want to be that kind of entrepreneur, but I still want to have my own thing and allow my daughter to see, you know, owning your own business is a good thing and getting your stuff out there, but also being part of the family. So that means that we hired a nanny. It was really hard during COVID because I didn't trust having a nanny. And now like I have to trust having a nanny and trust is, you know, something that we all have to work on all the time, especially when it comes to our small child. So those are like some of the more of the challenges is just the balance of life. Yeah. Is there anything that you've learned? I mean, I have kids too. I know, I know how hard the the balance is. Is there anything you've learned about time management or that you think would be helpful to others? I mean, it sounds like figuring out what you might need, making the decision to hire a nanny was a big thing. Anything else that comes to mind? This is something I'm working on right now. So I have not (laughs) accomplished this yet. But like being mindful of when I am most productive and making sure that I have the assistance during that time instead of when it's more convenient for them. I have a hard time requesting for it to be convenient for me. Not that it's convenient, but requesting that when I am most productive. I am a morning person. I'm more productive in the morning. Right now we have someone that assists us in the afternoon. I'm not productive in the afternoon. So that's just not really assisting me. So I'm learning and 
really working on myself on being a manager of assistance, I guess, if that makes sense, and speaking up for myself instead of just, okay, whatever you want. <laughs> I want to be more of like the fun boss, like the fun aunt, the fun sister, instead of the one that puts the boundaries to help herself. I have a hard time like demanding things for myself. So as advice to a small business owner, figure out what you need and then stick with it because otherwise it's going to be harder for you and you're going to be doing more work. And that's a good example to figure out what times of the day you're most productive. I'm with you. I'm more productive in the morning. In the afternoon, I'm just kind of tired. and <laughs> I can't really get very much done. So, I mean, that's a good place to start with figuring out what you need. When are you most productive? What about successes? How do you define success and what are you most proud of in your role as a small business owner? What accomplishments are you most proud of? I am most proud of being debt-free. I started my business with, I think I invested $500 of my own money to get it started. And I grew my business as my business itself sold product. So I have never been in debt. There was like one year where I had a higher credit card and it you know, rolled over to January, but I eventually paid off that credit card. And that's just something that I've really been proud of. And that's something that my family businesses have never done. And like my dad, when I go visit him, he always asks me, how much money did you make this year? And I tell him and he goes, how much do you have in loans? And I tell him nothing. And he's like, you're lying. That's impossible. And I'm like, it's not impossible. You can run a business debt-free. It means I'm on the slow path. But this last year, I finally hit six digits. And I was like, whoa, you can run a business debt-free and you can start making money which I'm really proud about that, especially like when I wanted to start a card company back in 2008. And I told my dad, he like got out his calculator. He's like, you know, you're gonna have to sell this many cards to be able to, you know, pay yourself this much money. And I was like, okay, here I am 10 years later, I've sold that many cards to pay myself that amount of money. It took me 10 years, but that's okay. Because at the end of the day, if something happened and I want to close my doors, my business is healthy and I'm not going to have to pay some creditor or some bank or anything like that. Like the money I have in my business is my money, which allows me to sleep at night. It doesn't have me stressed out. So that's my biggest item that I am proud of. Another fun story. Last April, I was grading some projects for my students and all of a sudden it was like late at night, like 11 o'clock at night and my cell phone started blowing up. Instagram started blowing up. And people who I don't know, they are my followers on Instagram, but I personally have not met them that I can remember, were sending me pictures of their television screen because my card was on the new HBO series about Baltimore. And that was really fun to see it like out in the world beyond Baltimore. Like this is on national television. And I remember that it was going to be showing that night, but I had no clue if my product actually made it into the series. When they contacted me, they said, you just have to watch to know. And to have followers see it and take a picture and send it to me, I was like, okay, I've kind of made it now. Like people actually see product and they see it's my product. That's really cool. Was that We Own the City? Was that the show? Yes, that's the show. Oh, awesome. I haven't seen that one yet, but I will look for your card if I ever do watch the series. That's cool. So it seems like you're 
influenced or inspired a lot by your family being entrepreneurs. You talked about how that affects how you wanted to structure your time. Is there anything else you kind of learned from their entrepreneurship journey that you've applied to your own business? Not wanting to be in debt was one thing I learned from their entrepreneurship journey. No, I don't think so. They're mainly in the oil and gas industry. So completely different industry than me. And my mom was in like insurance billing collection industry. Yeah, very different. Very different. (laughs) Very different. And my sister's a lawyer and she has her own law firm. So we're all very different. Yeah. In the last 10 years, have you ever experienced any of the difficult feelings that come with entrepreneurship, like imposter syndrome or doubt, fear, anything like that? And if so, how have you dealt with those feelings? Because it seems like those feelings can really like, you know, it can get in people's heads and really hurt somebody's business. So I'd love to hear how, how you dealt with it. So yes, I have had all of those feelings. I think I just keep putting my foot in front of the other and just keep going forward. I think it did help that I'm on the slow path of growth so that if it did just stop selling, it was what it was, but it didn't. It continued to be successful. I think one of the things that can really hurt you as a small business owner is to compare where you are today to another business because you don't know how long they have been in business a lot of times. Like you'll be on social media and another person you follow will post a positive thing that's going on with their business and you'll be like, oh, why am I not there yet? And I think that those are some feelings that I know I've experienced many times, especially in the early days. And even like, oh, they've only been in business five years. So have I, why am I really not there yet? You don't know what your path is going to be and you have different goals. And so like, maybe I could be there if I had a different goal and was working towards that. But I don't. My goal is to be more involved with my family. And that that's, that's a good goal. So just reminding myself of what my goals are to be a business owner and why I chose this path instead of waking up and clocking in at a job somewhere. That's a really good point that the comparisons aren't like black and white like that, that there's different layers to it. People have different goals. People have different priorities. So I appreciate you mentioning that. Is there anything you wish you knew when you started your business? Whenever I do like little workshops with small business owners, I tell them stay a sole prop for as long as you can, because I didn't realize that whenever you switch over to an LLC, you're all of a sudden going to be taxed higher than when you are a sole proprietor. I switched over pretty soon due to weddings and doing wedding imitations. I wanted to make sure that no crazy bride came after my personal finances if there was a mistake of some sort. But like the moment you switch over to an LLC, you have to do this thing called like a personal property tax and you have to pay to fill out the form every year. And then they charge you on top of that. Things like that, like that I didn't realize and I didn't have the money for that then when I switched over. Now I do. Now I can pay all these taxes. But then like I was really counting every penny in my business. And so I would say a sole proprietor as long as you can. Become an LLC, stay LLC for as short as you can, and then move over to, I think it's C-Corp, because there you get taxed less. And so it's this LLC stage that I feel like you get taxed the highest as a business owner that I'm learning and I'm trying to get out of. So you have to be an LLC first before you can go to the next step to C-Corp? I don't know if you have to be. I wasn't making enough money yet. 
to be a C Corp. Now I'm making enough money that it's more tax advantage for me to be a C Corp. Okay, great. Is there anything else you want to tell me, share with listeners? Thank you so much for supporting me out there. Everyone who has bought or even listening, I very much appreciate having a small little piece of artwork and how I see my cards more as art than as a card. And I love hearing stories. When people send me stories about how people receive the cards, like I love hearing that or their posters that they buy. Do you know if a lot of people frame the cards? They do. Yeah. I will hear fun stories that they will send it to someone and that person will frame that. I love that. So that's exactly how you envisioned it, right? I imagine like that person's grandchildren, like opening the frame after they pass away and seeing this cute note from a friend and like a whole nother life. I don't know. That's like probably the fiction writer in me. Hey, thank you so much to Carrie Miller for being on the show today and sharing more about her small business journey and how she built Tiny Dog Press. I love the story that Carrie ended with about how people may one day, you know, people might get one of her cards and choose to frame it. And then years later, a family member of theirs might take down that frame and pull out the card and then read the message inside. That's a really beautiful image of the cards kind of being this way for family members to learn about each other. You know, they can read the messages inside and maybe a granddaughter learns a little bit more about her grandmother through that process. So I, I just love that image. Thank you again to Carrie. Thank you so much for listening and choosing to spend some of your time with this episode. And I will see you soon. 